morning, guys. Good to see you here today. Um, we, we, we are continuing to plow through this way that Jesus teaches us how to pray. And uh, it's all situated in this, this one time that, that Jesus' followers come to him. And, and they see that other teachers are teaching them how to pray. And they go, Jesus, you need to teach us how to do this too. How does God want us to approach him? How does God want us to talk to him? How does he want us to think? And Jesus says this, if you, say, if you know it, say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation. Stop. That's what we're looking at today. Lead us not into temptation. Now, we've been making the case for the past several weeks that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray this way, he wasn't giving them magic words to say. He wasn't giving them a mantra just to kind of repeat on autopilot. He wasn't saying, here's the right formula by which you can talk to God because God is interested in a relationship, not a ritualism. Does that make sense? We've also been talking about how what we have kind of formalized into Shakespearean language is probably not the way Jesus would have said it. He would have simply said this, God, don't send me there. Lead me not, right? Don't lead me into that place. That what Jesus is doing is giving us worldviews in phrases. Entire frameworks and conceptual ways of not only thinking about God, but approaching God that are tucked within short terse little phrases that are easy to remember. And so what we're going to be looking at today is what is Jesus getting at here? I mean, what's really the full girth of it? When we come to God and start thinking this and and praying this, where is Jesus hoping that this comes from in our life? And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And and in mulling this over the past um, few weeks, More or less five things have really kind of resonated for me and identified with me that I'd like to share with you. And out of this phrase, out of this prayer, lead us not into temptation. First off the bat, it kind of struck me, but it can't be dodged, is this. Holiness is the goal. Go with me on this. Have you ever wondered why Jesus picked the things he picked to include in this thing that we call the Lord's Prayer? I mean, there's thousands of things he could have said, thousands of things that are important to him, right? Why did he pick these? Not only why did he pick these, why did he string them together in the way he did? Is it just like random thoughts coming to Jesus' mind? Maybe. Or is there a sense of progression that he's taking us on? I don't think it's coincidental that immediately after we pray, forgive us our sins, we say, lead us not into temptation. Because I think for Jesus embedded within this is the idea, God, bring us to a place where we don't even have to be forgiven to begin with. That embedded within the Lord's prayer is this idea 
that holiness is the goal. That within the life of every person who prays, who, who seeks God and, and wants to be a follower of Jesus, should be this idea that I want my dad to be proud of me. And I want to be like him. That holiness is somehow the goal. And I think, as a people, we have become so drunk on forgiveness that we have forgotten along the way that it's ultimately a means to an end. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever done it yourself, made forgiveness the end as opposed to a means to an end? I think for most of us, and and, and let's face it, it's not a bad place to be. But we've become so rooted and entrenched in forgive me that we forget God is trying to also develop me. To make me holy and bring me to a place where I don't even need to ask him in the first place. Are you with me? And I think this comes very natural to people who live in Chicago. 108 years, right? 108 years. If Chicagoans have learned anything, it is how to be a forgiving people with their sports teams. It is the Cubs way of life, isn't it? Maybe next year. You tried, guys. All right. And we keep hanging in there, and we keep going on. That, that ultimately, did, did any of you actually think it was going to happen in your lifetime? Did you actually think victory might be something you would ever see? I didn't. I mean, maybe it's kind of like a, you know, like, like, like maybe I'm going to see like, like, like people like flying cars someday, but not, not really, right? Because I forgot that victory was the point. I forgot that winning is what the end goal was supposed to be. What have we seen here this past Wednesday? It's possible For those of you who are facing things and begging for that sweet forgiveness every day, let me encourage you, it is possible. If God showed us anything on Wednesday, victory is possible. We spend our lives forgiving the managers, forgiving the errors, forgiving the bumbled plays, forgiving the players, forgiving Bartman, right? And forgiveness is a great place to be because we need it. And we need it desperately. But I think when we pray, lead us not into temptation. Jesus is reminding us that while we are desperately in need of forgiveness, like we are desperately in need of the air that we breathe, the end goal is holiness. Which means that anyone who prays this, it should be coming from the place of going, I want to be holy. That, God, I'm not just seeking you for what you can give me. I'm not just treating you like a fire insurance policy for eternity. I want to be holy. Because you're holy. And it brings delight to your heart. It's what you want from me. I, I want that. Lead us not into temptation becomes the prayer, the cry. For any follower of Jesus who is yearning for holiness. 
while simultaneously knowing that they are not. Which made me think of this, that uh, temptation, it's inevitable. Temptation is part of the human experience. And we are a temptable people. And I think it is important for those of us who yearn for holiness and struggle with temptation to remember it's inevitable. There's no getting away from it, but I've got good news for you. There is a difference between temptation and sin. I've met so many people, I've been there myself at times, plagued by thoughts that I would be embarrassed to admit out loud, driven by motives that are shameful, falling into patterns and into ways that I hate, and hating the things that entice me. But do you realize that if you didn't want it, it wouldn't be temptation to begin with? Hating myself going, why do I do it? Why do I want it so bad? Why, why do I think this way? And scaring yourself? Have you been there? Come on. You know what I mean. And if you're attuned to it, it can often bring a sense of self-disgust, a sense of just who am I? What am I? What have I become? Hating the very things that you feel and you think. But guys, I'm here to tell you, it ain't sin. What you're thinking and what you're feeling ain't sin. There is a difference between feeling and yielding. And for those of you who are wrestling with those motives, who are wrestling with those thoughts, who are wrestling with those inclinations, whatever they might be, can I just tell you? Welcome to the human experience and God knows. And he also knows that that isn't sinning. Because it wouldn't be temptation if you didn't want it. I've heard it put this way. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head. But you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. You know what I mean? I actually had an experience like this. I was, I was at my mom's place. She lives in Elmhurst. And uh, you, you know that the trail here that runs through like McHenry, you know, out of John's, or excuse me, out of like Ringwood down into Johnsburg, or can I talk today? Out of Ringwood down into McHenry, I know my geography. Down into Crystal Lake, it's the big like Midwestern um, prairie trail network. Well, a spur runs into Elmhurst too. It wasn't too long ago, a few years back. I was at my mom's for the day and I decided to go for a run. What better place? Hop on the trail. It was a nice day. I generally don't wear earphones when I run. I like kind of hearing the world. I like being there with my thoughts. And it was one of those days, well, runners or people who like ever flirt with the idea. Have you ever come to that place where you say, I'm going to try it again? And then as you're going, you're going, this is the most painful human experience ever imagined. And why am I doing this? And, and kind of going, I know I want to run to there but I'm tired and I've given it all I can give and you just kind of want to stop and you're kind of like sitting there in your own kind of like morose. You're just like lamenting yourself and what a fat pudge you've become. And you know, and all, you know, how, the, you know how it goes, right? I remember I was running along the stretch of the trail this one day 
feeling tapped, feeling the ache, feeling the hurt. And I hear something. It was kind of like a flapping, but I wouldn't have been able to put it that way at the time. (laughs) But it was something out of the ordinary. I heard something. That was weird. Kind of kept on trying. I heard it again. Out of nowhere, I kid you not, nails drive into the back of my head. Now, when you're not expecting it, have you ever been driving along and you feel something and you like scratch and you don't know what it is and then you look and you realize like a spider is crawling down your neck? What happens in that moment? Yeah, exactly. I look, there is this grackle embedding itself in my head. I will tell you this, I've never ran so fast in my life. It turned into like one of these spastic kind of things going down the trail. I mean, people had to be watching out of their cars going, what is this freak? (laughs) Do you know what Jesus says? Flee from temptation. (laughs) Because you can't keep the birds from flying over your head. But do everything in your power from letting them nest there. Do everything in your power to get away from them. Do everything in your power. God will give you supernatural, adrenaline-filled feats of strength if you're willing to own it. Guys, you're going to get tempted. You are. You just are. Flee. It might be inevitable, but it doesn't mean we have to be a victim to it. Which leads me to this. Luther once wrote, not one of us can successfully bypass temptations and enticements as long as we are living. Nothing else is to be expected than that we shall suffer trials and temptations. Yes, even find ourselves bogged in them. You ever feel bogged? I hate bogs. (laughs) However, what we pray for here is that we may not fall into them, fall down into them, and be drowned. You might have to wade through, but you don't have to be drowned. Which got me thinking about this. Um, You are not as strong as you think. Anytime we start to overestimate our own ability to stand in the face of things that are tempting, we immediately underestimate the power of sin and the susceptivity and frailty and corruption of our being. Life is a nonstop assault of temptation from our thoughts, from our inner desires and enticements, from the contexts we are plunged into in life, the relationships and positions and situations and worldviews, and from the dark forces of this world as well. 
It's a nonstop assault of temptation. And the dark side is strong. Do not underestimate the power of the dark side. Praying, lead us not into temptation. It implies an idea, I can't do it. I can't do it because God of temptation comes. I'm probably going to give in. I'm probably going to collapse. I'm probably going to fail. So spare me it to begin with. Spare me the struggle so it isn't even an issue to begin with. Jesus comes to his disciples and goes, understand the world you're in. Understand yourself. Dear God, lead us not into temptation. Which is actually the hard thing about this. Because sometimes God does. And I want to say that again, just in case you think I've said it wrong. Sometimes God leads us into places and situations and areas of life of temptation. He tempts me. He tempts me not. Some of you might want to throw this in my face. Let me read this from James. 1, verse 13, if you care. When tempted, Jesus' brother writes, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. It feels pretty matter-of-fact, doesn't it? Except the Bible is filled with stories and examples of God leading people into what I will call temptation. I think of when Israel is brought out into the wilderness and they're forced to live on this stuff called manna and this quail that falls from heaven and the water that miraculously springs from a rock. And later on, the biblical writers interpreting this, Moses interpreting this, goes, God did it to test you. He did it. See what you're made of. See what's going on in there. He did it to test you. See what's in your heart. To see what you would do in that moment. I think that like weird, cruel, and sadistic story of Abraham and his son Isaac and God going to Abraham saying, slay your son. Slay your son whom you love. How do you even begin to unravel what the temptation even is in that case? You can find this throughout the Bible. Jesus testing his disciples. Jesus doing things here. I think of what God does to Jesus himself. Immediately after his baptism, heaven is ripped open. God says, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Do you know the very next episode? It says that God's spirit drives Jesus into the desert. The way Mark puts it, that God did a fast pitch. That God threw Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now, you might say that I'm using the word test, but I'll tell you, you don't the word test and the word tempt in Greek is the exact same thing? It's the exact same word. God will lead us into places of temptation. 
And I want this to be clear. God is not some bad influence friend who's trying to trick us or entice us to do evil or set us up for our own failure so he and like the angels can have like a good laugh about it later on. You know what I'm saying? God is not a bad influence friend, but God is a parent. He is a coach. He is a teacher. And he will bring us into positions where we have the opportunity to be evaluated. Where we can evaluate ourselves. See how we're progressing. To put us into situations that feel above our head or beyond our desire in order to make us stronger. And I almost wonder, when Jesus taught his disciples, pray this, pray, lead us not into temptation, it came after God did it to him. It's like, is he saying to his disciples, believe me, you don't want to go there. It sucks. And anyone who takes sin seriously knows exactly that. You don't want to go there. It is not nice in the desert for 40 days with the devil. I wonder how much of Jesus asking his disciples to pray this comes out of Jesus' mission to begin with. Because God, Jesus knew what God had in mind for him. Go to Jerusalem, suffer, and die. I mean, come on. Can you be tested any more than that? How often did Jesus in his life go, I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm not going there. I'm not going to do it. He was human, remember? Just like you and me. With the full range of emotions and fears and insecurities and struggles. Like you and me. I think of Jesus in that that garden. The very night it was all going to come down and he knew it. Father, take this cup from me. He's praying with tears and sweat and blood. Could it be that when we pray, lead us not into temptation? We are actually begging a father, don't make me go. Don't put me there. I know you believe in me. I don't believe in me. Dear God, don't do it. But he will anyway. Sometimes. Anyway. Because he knows it's good for us. I hate that line. But it doesn't make it any less true. Because he knows that out of this place of testing, we're honed and developed and given bigger eyes to see the things that we need to see and become holier and stronger in the process. Which makes me realize that when we pray, lead us not into temptation, you know what it is? It's a prayer of endurance. It is a mantra, if you will. It becomes a prayer of endurance. I like how he says it. 
leading us not into temptation consists of God giving us the power and strength to resist it. Even though the tribulation itself is not turned aside nor put to an end. It's a way of life when you have to endure of going, lead me not into temptation. Lead me not into temptation. It's like those of you who are runners going three more miles. You're like, man, I only run like a half mile to begin with. You know what I mean. Maybe it's like this. Ten more steps. Ten more steps. Ten more steps. It's like those of you who are involved in any kind of sport, maybe you lift. Two more. Two more. Two more. Having to endure through what you are immersed in. Finding the strength and the words to say, just get me one step further. I was watching this, this documentary. Um about Eric Aune, who was in the great uh, American cinema classic, uh, Dude, Where's My Car? And um, he, he played the role of, quote, in the cast list, Musclehead. All right? You know you have hit high in Hollywood when you get to play Musclehead. He was on this show. It's called Locked Up Abroad. You ever see it? Ever hear of it? Nat Geo shows it, and basically what it is is it's the, the real-life, true, like, e-Hollywood stories, so to speak, of people who get locked up in third-world prisons and what their experience was like. Apparently, Eric was trying to smuggle some leather goods into, like, Turkey or Kazakhstan or somewhere where you don't want to be in jail. And at least according to the, the interview and, and the documentary and, and, and what he said, unwittingly realized he had been turned into a drug mule and got nabbed, and got to spend time experiencing the joys and the benefits of what a Turkish or Kazakhstanian or wherever it was prison happened to be like. He was describing what it took to kind of get through the days, what, what he had to face, what he had to endure. Just get your own vision of prison at this mind in the worst possible way, and put it in a country other than the United States. He, he said the worst time, the worst place he came to was this. He got a double ear infection in a country that didn't really believe in medical attention for its inmates. Now, any of you here who have had a bad ear infection know it is like someone taking a carpenter's awl and driving it into your ear and then just turning it around a little bit for kicks, right? With no antibiotics, with no help, after two days of enduring this, this back alley doctor finally comes in and he's got a syringe like this. Except the purpose of the syringe was not to inject and he said what they did is they strapped him down and they took this thing and they jammed it into his ear but sucked instead and ruptured his eardrum. And he said whatever the pain was before, what he endured in that moment was like something he never thought imagined. The bleeding the hearing, the fear, is the damage gone? Is my hearing gone forever? Unspeakable pain. And do you know what got him through? Telling himself as they threw him back in the cell, five more seconds, 
Five more seconds. One, two, three, four, five. Five more seconds. Can you take it five more seconds? One, two, three, four, five. Some of you are in places where it is unbearable, where the temptation is crashing in, where you are standing at a place and you don't think you can go on. Jesus gives you a prayer of endurance. Lead us not into temptation. Five more seconds. Lead us not. Lead me not into temptation. God. He has given us a mantra. Words to say when we can say nothing else. Words to say when it is unbearable. Words to say so that we can endure through in this life that seeks to tear us down. And Jesus did it. He did it, and he did it for me, and he did it for you. Which means we can endure it. We can stand in it and root in it and live upon it. Lord, Lord, get me through. James writes something else. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Can we just have a moment of honesty with the Bible? Are you kidding me? But that's the worldview he invites us to adopt. That's how he invites us to look at it. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, you know, fortitude, the ability to endure and hang in there. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, whole, so that you may become whole people not lacking anything. It's what Jesus invites us to think. It's what Jesus invites us to pray. It's how Jesus invites us to enter into reality and our own human experience. And uh. I think maybe that's what we should do then. I, I was um, thinking about how we dovetail this today. And, you know, what I think I'd like to do is just, like we normally do, take a time to pray. But, but I want to pray in a different kind of way. 
See, I'm, I'm going to lead off here with the suspicion that a lot of us are in places of endurance right now. Or in places of resignation, where we've thrown in the towel. Or in places of regret, where we have given in, where we have collapsed. And, and we're hoping that there's a place for second chances, for forgiveness, and then restart buttons with God so we can start praying this prayer again. And there is. So we will. And here's what I'm going to do. Some of us, I think, maybe need to say the mantra today. Lead us not into temptation. Would you say that with me? Lead us not into temptation. I'm just going to start praying. I'm going to start praying of all the things that we face, a sampling of things that we struggle with. When I, when I end with the phrase, hear our prayer, God, hear our prayer, I want you to say together, not just in some like robotic kind of way, but out of your own struggle, lead us not into temptation. And we'll do this again and again and again. Are you with me? All right, cool. Let's, uh, let's rise. Let's pray. God, we come. We come um, before you as a temptable people, as people who struggle, as people who, when we look at ourselves and see our inner abilities, realize we're weak. We come as people who fail. Lord, hear our prayer. For the times of greed in our life. Lord, hear our prayer. For the times, God, when we want the things that aren't ours when they drive us and move us and lead us to live in ways that are not pleasing. Lord, hear our prayer. For the times of apathy, when we don't seek holiness because we are so enticed and enamored by our comfort, our pleasure, our own agendas. Lord, hear our prayer. For the times, God, of inner desire that drives us in a singular kind of way no matter who's left in the wake Lord hear our prayer and the times when we are too afraid to engage to stand up to protect to be honest Lord, hear our prayer. For the trials you have set before us. For the places you may want to develop us, but we don't want to go. Lord, hear our prayer. For the times we quit, we give in because of pain or boredom fatigue 
Lord, hear our prayer. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for all the times we succumb. Together, I just invite you to pray this with me. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Jesus was tempted and he overcame. We're tempted and we often don't. But Jesus died for you. For that. Which means every time you've fallen, every time you've quit, every time you've given up, every time you walked wholeheartedly into temptation yourself. He says, all who come to me, I forgive. I forgive you. I forgive you at all. Live in that and to the new place where it leads. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed and tempted beyond all temptation, instead of giving in, decided to take bread instead. And he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And he said to him, take and eat. This is my body, given for you. I will not fall into temptation for you. So do this in remembrance of me. And he took a cup after supper and he gave thanks. Consider it a pure joy. And he gave the cup to them. And he said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood. I will pour out my blood. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. So come to this. All of you who want it, come to this. Proclaim and remember me. Welcome to Jesus' victory.